Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds, videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to Fireside Folklore, your mini Stories of Scotland treat for betwixt bigger episodes. I'm Annie, and I'm a fairy. And I'm Jenny, a very well-trained dog. <laughs> I like to think of Fireside Folklore as being the snacks between the meals. They are delightful wee morsels of wonder, like a cheese string. This week, we're both telling stories about fairy dogs. Fairy dogs are usually seen as independent and wild animals. While they are sometimes domestic dogs of fairies, they usually have their own supernatural fairy powers. Fairy dogs pop up all over Scottish mythology, but we first came across the following tales in the wonderful book Legends of the Cairngorms by Afflick Gray, who dedicated the stories to his grandchildren, which is really sweet. We're retelling these stories in our own voices and bringing these old tales back to life. Our first story is a tale of the last of its kind, because it's about the final ever fairy dog seen in the Cairngorms by human eyes about two hundred years ago. The tale begins near the old ruined barracks of Ruthven, which, if you look upon it nowadays, you'll see a great defensive structure, but it's totally roofless. It sits ruined atop a hill, surveying the lands. It was built by the British Army in fear of the Jacobite uprisings, but now it is simply crumbling. However, we are going way back in time, and the lands round Ruthven are broad, undulating into the Cairngorm Mountains, with wide glens and wild woodlands of the Caledonian Forest. And within this vastness. The fairy dogs were known to dwell. These fairy dogs were the supernatural colour of green. What else could they be? They were as green as the moss on the ground or the leaves up high. They were neither good nor evil. They were simply another part of nature. 
However, these fairy dogs had one chilling trait that meant people would avoid the areas where they were known to roam, or they would turn around if they saw the giant paw prints of the fairy dogs in the earth. You see, if you found yourself stalked by a fairy dog, then it was not its bite that you needed to worry about, but rather its bark. It's believed that if you heard the bark of a fairy dog three times, then it was the worst possible omen of death. To hear the fairy dog bark thrice meant you would not be in the world of the living for very long at all. The only way to prevent your death would be to stop the dog before it could finish its three barks. You had to turn round quickly upon hearing that first bark, look the dog right in the eyes and throw a stone at it, and that would break that spell. The final sighting of a fairy dog was had by an old shepherd named Hamish. He lived in the midst of the hills, a wee secluded cottage that few people ever wandered far enough to find. His main company were the sheep, and of course his loyal sheepdog, Ian, who Hamish considered to be his very best friend in the whole world. Aww, we Ian. One night, Hamish was sitting by his fireplace, making his shepherd's crook, working the wood with his hands. He eagerly awaited the return of his dog, Ian, who was still working whilst Hamish was resting. Ian would be driving the sheep homewards. Now, I know what you're thinking. It is most unusual for a sheepdog to be working without a shepherd. But Ian was a very wise dog. Wise beyond that of most people that Hamish had even met. So happily... When Hamish heard a scratching on a door, he assumed it would be his faithful companion. He jumped up and swung the door open to a great gust of wind. Come in quickly, the shepherd cried out to the night. I'll be closing the door soon to keep the heat in. Fast paws padded into the wee cottage. However, what had entered the house that night was not his sheepdog Ian, but a strange beast. It was a dog, certainly. But it was bright green, a mythological green, with golden eyes and crimson ears. Hamish's heart stopped as he watched the fairy dog make its way into his home and lie by his fireplace. And the fairy dog gave not a thought to him as if this was a perfectly commonplace occurrence. Fortunately for Hamish, he was not a rash person and though his instincts told him to flee to get out of there as fast as possible, his honour demanded that he give this dog hospitality. Hamish had, after all, invited this dog into his home, and so he must treat the dog as a guest and offer it food and water as is traditional in the highlands. So he lay a big mutton bone in a bowl, with still a little bit of meat on it that he had been saving as a treat for his own dog, Ian, but he was certain that Ian would understand the importance of maintaining the custom of offering food to a guest, and Ian would just have to make do with some scraps. Then Hamish filled a big bowl with water and lay it down in front of the fairy dog. The fairy dog greedily drank up the water, but it left the bone untouched and then it lay sleepily beside the fire. 
Hamish nervously returned to his seat and picked up his crook, returning to the work of smoothing it out. He felt uneasy, but he didn't let it show on his face. Fairy dogs were known to be temperamental, and all alone in a cottage high in the hills, Hamish wondered if anyone would even notice if he went missing. Perhaps another shepherd would miss Hamish's prized sheep at the next market, but otherwise it could be months before anyone noticed if he disappeared. Though Hamish was terrified, the fairy dog just seemed tired and cold. It simply wanted to lie in the warmth of the fire. Another scratch came at the door, eager and impatient. Hamish steadied himself as he opened it but felt relief flush over him as he saw the face of his friendly dog Ian sat upon his doorstep. Ian rushed inside excitedly, tail wagging like it was the happiest thing in the world to be reunited with his shepherd. But then Ian froze as soon as he noticed the fairy dog. With his little doggy eyes, Ian looked to the fairy dog in his place by the fire and then to the big mutton bone and betrayal crossed his little doggy face. Ian flattened himself in terror, submitting to the fairy dog. However, the fairy dog merely emitted a strange gurgle from its throat. It was as though the dog was intentionally not barking, because it understood the dangers of its own sound. It tilted its head for Ian to join it by the fire, Slowly, Ian approached the fairy dog, one paw at a time, and cautiously sat beside it, making himself as small as possible. As long minutes passed, Ian gave the fairy dog an intense side-eye that twitched between the dog's crimson ears and the mutton bone. Eventually, the fairy dog sighed and with a sweeping paw nudged the mutton bone towards Ian. Now, Ian, being a very smart dog, knew better than to hesitate when there was a big juicy bone before his nose, so he tucked in quickly. And so, to the gentle gnawing of the mutton bone, a peacefulness descended on the cottage in the hills as a big storm picked up outside. The three unlikely companions were happy for the night, grateful for the fire that Hamish refilled on regular intervals. When the storm broke with the first light of dawn, the green dog rose from beside the dwindling fire and shook itself awake. Then it walked towards the one small door of the cottage. Hamish, seeing it awaken, hastily opened the door for the dog. He didn't want to chance his luck after what had turned into such an untroubled night. However, he was shocked by what happened next. The dog opened its mouth and Hamish felt himself stop breathing. He realised that the fairy dog might yet make its lethal bark. But instead, a pink tongue slipped out as soft as butter and licked Ian's hand just once in thankful silence. With this last motion, the fairy dog made its way back to the hills. Hamish and Ian didn't stray far from their cottage that day. The shepherd and the dog were both still astonished by the unexpected visit from a fairy dog. 
And so the earth twirled and with it passed the days. And the moon spun and with that took her months. And the planet made a slow journey round the sun and with it the year changed from summer to autumn and before they knew it winter had descended upon the hills once more. Ice and snow found their foot in the mountains and Hamish and Ian made the best of the short hours of daylight to get all their work done. One freezing day the wind picked up and the clouds came low and Hamish and Ian found themselves on an icy slope with no visibility. With a pained yelp, poor little Ian lost control of his paws and slipped down a crag. Hamish feared the worst for his dog. But relieved, he found Ian had survived the fall but had hurt his leg. Poor little Ian whined quietly and apologetically in Hamish's arms. Hamish carried him home and then dressed his wound with a poultice and bandaged him up. The poor wee dog. This harsh winter storm grew and ensnared the night as it drew in further, ripping its way across the hills. In the morning, Hamish rose to discover that his sheep were all astray. He no longer had the services of loyal dog Ian to help him locate his woolly runaways, because poor little Ian was still recovering by the fire. So Hamish set out alone into the treacherous landscape, missing his four-legged companion. One by one, he began to find his sheep in the snow, some of them even needed dug out of awkward situations, and each time it exhausted Hamish. This old shepherd felt the cold creep into his bones and found that his will and strength were weakening. He realised if he didn't get all the sheep, they would certainly die in the snow. But if he stayed out in the freezing temperatures, he himself might perish and he couldn't bear the thought of Ian sitting as the fire went out in their cottage, wondering when his best friend would return, only for the shepherd and dog never to be reunited again. Bravely, Hamish committed to finding all of his sheep and then to make his way homewards. However, a sudden flurry of snow came cascading in, and out of the mist came a golden glow, then the tips of crimson ears and then the green of the fairy dog. Hamish wondered if he was already dead, frozen on the hillside, and that he just hadn't realised it. And then he thought that perhaps the fairy dog had come to deliver his bark after all, that bark that would suck the last life from Hamish's body. This old shepherd was too knackered to run away, and so he stood looking at this weird, wild fairy dog in the snowstorm. The fairy dog seemed so much larger in this environment than it did inside the cottage, and it approached him on massive paws. He felt himself trembling, with both the cold and the fear, as a shiver reached up his spine. The big fairy dog stared at Hamish straight in the eyes, and it was like looking into a whole other world. Before he knew it, the fairy dog slipped out its tongue, as soft as a rose petal, and it licked Hamish's hand just once. As though touched by an angel, 
Hamish felt warmth and energy flood into his body. And then the fairy dog threw back its head to the sky and it howled into the hills. An echoing ancient howl, it sounded more like wolf than dog. It sounded more like magic than beast. Hamish was so unnerved to witness this. But at the sound of the howl, the hills suddenly flooded with many sets of glowing golden eyes. It was a whole pack of green fairy dogs. They all jumped into action. The green dogs began seeking the sheep, gathering them up. Whenever the fairy dogs discovered a sheep buried in the snow, they would dig until Hamish joined them. Together with the fairy dogs, he collected all of the stranded sheep. The fairy dogs had rounded up the sheep into a wee sheltered quarry, one of the few spots in the hills that hadn't been blanketed in snow. Hamish had never seen this quarry before, though he had walked these hills a thousand times and he wondered if it was something that only the dogs knew about. Here Hamish found finally all of his sheep had been gathered up and were joyfully grazing on a wee patch of grass as though it was already springtime. Glad that his sheep were happy and healthy, Hamish followed the great fairy dog back to his own cottage. When he was finally at the door, the fairy dog rushed in and stood over Ian. Gently, it licked the wee sheepdog's head and Ian bounced up, his injured leg suddenly healed. With a merry smile, the old shepherd bent to pat his new fairy dog friend on the head. He was so thankful, so grateful for the help on such a dreadful day. However, when his hand reached out to pat its head, there was nothing there but empty air and a gust of wind. And with that, Hamish closed the door to keep the heat in. Oh, yay, fairy dogs. I love it. <laughs> Although, <laughs> to be honest, I am quite glad that my puppy is not a fairy dog. I don't know if I could be dealing with this whole three yaps thing. And I am now going to be like wary of her every time she barks three times. I guess I now have to train her to only bark twice or four times. <laughs> <laughs> I love that there's this lore about fairy dogs being incredibly dangerous. And then in quite a lot of the stories, they turn out to be incredibly happy and helpful friends. There's a lot in this story to unpack, but I think it's all about hospitality and respect. The shepherd is absolutely terrified that the dog might bring him harm. However, when he gives it kindness when it turns up at his house, instead of hostility, the dog then comes back to him in his time of need. I think it's a really lovely story. It is, and you know what they say, Annie, a fairy dog never forgets. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, what we might have forgotten, Jenny, is that you've got a fairy dog story now. <laughs> What's your one called? My story is called The Fairy Dogs of Loch Gynic. Loch Gynic lies just north of King Yusey, which is on the eastern edge of the Cairngorms. But just before we jump into the tale, we need to wade into the weeds of folklore. You see, there was a lot of uncertainty about the origins of fairy dogs. No one denied that they existed, but it was debated about whether they were fairies disguised as dogs or their own separate supernatural species of canines altogether. But in some cases, there are tales where the two collide, where fairies keep fairy dogs as domestic pets, much the same way that humans do. Now, although we humans have many different breeds of dogs, each one specialising in different traits, the fairy dogs weren't so mm, domesticated. Now, the fairies were jealous of us humans and our loyal, hard-working little floofers and wished that their dogs were better bred. And because of this, it was believed that the fairies would always be on the lookout for a well-bred dog so that they may cross it with their own and thus improve the fairy dog breed. And so we start our tale, where many years ago, a crofter named Callum and his family lived near the shores of Loch Gynic. And while Callum was a hard-working man, none of his hard work ever seemed to pay off. His whole life had been two steps forward, one trip, stumble and fall backwards into a muddy puddle. For example, his only sheep had just given birth to a lamb. But just as he was celebrating now having two sheep, the mother died suddenly and he was left with a lamb. But as well as this, Callum's family was in a very bad way. Their wee house was falling apart, their land was barren and their bellies were constantly empty. One day... As Callum toiled unsuccessfully in his fields with his loyal dog, a little cutie patootie called Wilma at his heels, he... Wait, Jenny, you can't call your fairy tale dog Wilma, because that's your real dog's name. Uh, I'm sorry, are you the folklore dog naming police, Annie? I, I can call my folklore dog whatever I like. All right, Jenny, <laughs> I'm not the folklore dog naming police, but I still think this is weird. <laughs> Well, Callum didn't, and that's all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) But while our man Callum was toiling away with his little cutie patootie Wilma at his heels, a terribly sad thought struck him. If he were to disappear, to vanish without a trace, then someone would surely take pity upon his wife and children, and thus they'd be better off without him. Callum dropped his tools where he stood. He had made up his mind. He would drown himself in Loch Gynic 
and save his family their prolonged suffering. He sent little Wilma back to the house where his wife and children were and then set off for the loch. When he reached the dark water's edge, he took off his boots and coat so the people would know he had drowned. Slowly, he walked to the water's edge and stepped into the icy waters. But as he waded out, there came a call from behind him. He turned and saw a most strange and beautiful woman. She gestured for him to return to the shore, and rather embarrassed at being caught in such a vulnerable state, Callum did so. The woman greeted him softly, and before he knew it, he was spilling his heart out to this woman and confiding in her all his woes. Once he was finished, the woman said, You're a good man. Please do not leave your wife and children. Go home to them now. I have the power of the fairy folk, and I promise you that all will be well if you agree to only one condition. A wave of relief nearly knocked Callum over, and he cried, Anything, I'll do anything so as to be able to support my family. The woman nodded knowingly and said, Very well, every wish you have will be fulfilled, if you promise to meet me here a year from today and give me whatever, or whoever, greets you first when you reach home tonight. Callum turned over the strange request in his mind and was relieved when he remembered that the orphaned lamb was tethered up in front of his house. This would surely be the first thing to greet him when he returned home and thus be a fine gift to promise to this fairy woman. And so, smiling, he heartily agreed to her conditions. Callum set off home with a joyful heart, but when his wife saw him coming, she ran from the house to greet him, their children at her heels. But little Wilma outstripped them all and tore down the path, jumping and licking Callum with glee. She had greeted him first. But Callum put the thought to the back of his mind. He wasn't to meet the fairy woman for a year, and surely he would be able to think of a way to escape the deal he had made. But time passed swiftly, and soon almost a year had gone by since he made his promise. In this time, Callum's luck had taken a significant turn for the better, and his family was prosperous and comfortable at last. But the day was fast approaching when he knew he must meet the woman by the loch. He felt he could not part with his wonderful little Wilma. Unsure of what to do, he confided in his wife, who was a sharp woman, and she gave him some stellar advice. I love little Wilma just as much as you, and we owe our success just as much to her as we do the fairies. Oh, Callum, you must offer everything you have to save her. Callum made his way to the loch, Wilma at his heel. There he found the fairy woman waiting for him. Wilma cowered behind him in fear. Callum stood tall and told the fairy woman how much he and his family loved the dog. And although it had been the first to greet him that fateful night, he would offer everything he had in her place. All the sheep he had accumulated, all his cattle too, everything. 
but it was to no avail. The fairy woman would have the dog and nothing else. Stubbornly, Callum said, I will not give you the dog. Take back all your gifts. Take it all. You're not having Wilma. Ah, replied the woman. That includes your life, Callum. If not for me, you would be dead. As Callum wrestled with this, the strangest thing happened. Little Wilma left his side and crawled in fear over to the fairy's side. Satisfied by this, the fairy turned to leave, Wilma tentatively following behind. But as the pair sank into the trees, the fairy called, Meet me again here in exactly a year, Callum. And then she and Wilma were gone. Heartbroken at losing Wilma, Callum returned home to his wife and children. Time passed quickly once more, and although the family were now very prosperous and happy, they all still thought of Wilma and missed her dearly. Eventually, the day came once more for Callum to go to Loch Gynac. When he reached the shore, there was the fairy woman, waiting to greet him, Wilma by her side. The dog bounded to Callum and leapt up joyfully, licking his face and rushing around him in excitement. When she finally calmed down, Callum looked up and saw that the fairy woman was holding a lovely little puppy. Wilma is the most wonderful dog in the whole world, but she is still mine, and only once more will you ever see her. When your time has come, she will come and warn you. Until then... This puppy is for you, a thanks for your gift to me. Take it home and train it well. Goodbye, Callum. Tearfully bidding goodbye to Wilma once more, Callum took the new puppy and returned home. He trained the little dog as well as he could, and the family decided to call it Wilma too. Jenny, now I have become the folklore (laughs) dog naming Cleese. And I am putting my paw down. You definitely cannot call both your folklore dogs the same name as your real dog. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. The family decide to call her Wilma. (laughs) Wilma? Wilma? Wilma. Wilma? Wilma. Like Wilma with a woe. Jenny, (laughs) you bring the woe to my Wilma. Now, little Wolma grew up to be the best working dog in all the land. But Wolma was no ordinary dog. First off, she had a very strange name. And secondly, Wolma had fairy dog characteristics. She had these wonderful silver eyes that meant she could see the wind. Over time, Callum grew old. His children all married and had families too each one proud owners of Wilma and Walma's descendants. One day, when old Callum was out in the hills, he heard a familiar bark from behind a bracken bush. He knew instantly who it was. Little Wilma came bounding from behind the bush and there the two were reunited once more. They were both old and grey now, but together they rolled in the heather and played until the sun set. Finally, Wilma gave three sharp barks, and Callum patted his old companion on the head one last time 
before she disappeared into the night. With this, Callum knew he had only three days to live. He returned home and set his affairs in order, before passing peacefully in his sleep three days later. And that is the story of Wilma and Walma, the fairy dogs of Loch Gynac. I really hope that you don't get a second dog, Jenny, and call her Walma. <laughs> it's true, Annie. I, I'm very tempted, but I have to keep reminding myself that a dog is for life, not just for amusing names. <laughs> I enjoy that when this old man realises he's only got three days left to live, he goes and sets his affairs in order. I mean, I would just be pouring an espresso martini and letting my affairs sort themselves out. <laughs> I don't think they had espresso martinis 300 years ago in the Cairngorms, Annie, otherwise. (laughs) So I think both these stories we've looked at have some intriguing themes. In the case of our shepherd story, we're seeing him choosing to sacrifice himself to save his sheep. And then in the case of Callum and Wilma, we see him giving up Wilma because of a pact that he didn't fully understand with the fairies. But both stories, we've got a bit of kind of sacrifice there, I'm I'm thinking. And then again, when things are getting bleak for our characters, we have these little supernatural interventions. I love it. The natural world in these stories isn't some kind of passive backdrop, but rather it's a kind of portal for forces that humans don't quite understand. Nature is facilitating the human connection to the supernatural world. I find it fascinating. I really enjoyed these two stories, Annie. This has been a really cheerful episode. I think ultimately these stories are about hope and wonder and very good doggos. (laughs) (laughs) And I do think that my takeaway message is that if you bump into either a fairy or a fairy dog, then the trajectory of your life is most likely going to change. But whatever happens, hold on to your four-legged companions and tell them you love them and they're a very good girl or very good boy. Are you going to go and cuddle Wilma and tell her that you'll never let fairies take her away from you? Yes, I am. Although I'm worried (laughs) I'll jinx myself and somehow have to sacrifice my dog to fairies now. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, thank you all so much for listening to our Fireside Folklore episode. If you'd like to support Stories of Scotland as we make this wonderful wee podcast, then you can give us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast on. You can also join our Patreon, where there are many more traditional folk tales like this and very different from this. Until next time, dear friends, Slangeva. Slangeva. Woof woof. Woo. Boom. And so the earth twirled and with it passed the days. And the moon spun and with that took her months. And the planet made a slow journey round the sun and with it the year changed from summer to autumn and winter. I can't wait for you to hear how I say a year passed in my story. (laughs) (laughs) And soon almost a year had gone by since he made his promise. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!
I'm like, on with the story. <laughs> okay. Um, can you see golf club? What's my number? Ah, come on. Hi there. Um, this is a really strange question, but I'm currently working on a podcast about Loch Gynek, and I was just wondering, is that how you pronounce it, or is there a different way to say it? Um, no, that's about right, yeah, that sounds right. Nice. Yeah. So Loch Gynek or Gynek Road would, would be about good. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much for your help. Okay. <laughs> All right. no Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> Here comes Walma. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.